Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Uh, Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. You had no idea that Leviticus could be so interesting, did you? Uh, the Feast of Israel. We called this series, and I'm wrapping it up today. Um, I'm going to teach the, uh, the Feast uh, of Tabernacles today, but I want to encourage you to join us first Wednesday. Uh, we will catch the last two feasts. We're going we're gonna to teach all seven. I only was able to teach five on the weekend, but we're going to double up and finish this on first Wednesday. So be with us as we cover unleavened bread and the day of atonement. Do you still have your handouts with you? Still have your handouts? Okay. The few of us. We've been holding on to this. Thing. Have you been filling this thing out? Okay. If you need a handout, you can still get one on your way out today and go back and listen to it if you've missed any blanks. You do know we are filling in some blanks. Did y'all know that? All of you right-brainers, we do have a handout. There are some blanks to fill in. All of you left-brainers, have you lost any sleep? Have we missed any blanks? Okay, we're trying to connect the dots. We're trying to get everything written down. This has been such a great study. The the feasts of Israel, taste and see. We want you to experience the goodness of God. I, I see Dee Budgewater. Dee, it's so good to see you here. My goodness, you, you were in a terrible car accident this week, and we, we prayed the hand of God was on your life. The fact that you are in this service right now is a testimony to God's saving and keeping power. Come on. Can you show your love for Dee and Nolan? Wow. You know, to taste and see the goodness of God, it's not to just know about it. This, this series, hopefully, it's been informational, it's been educational, but our heart is that it's been transformational. You're able to experience the goodness of God for yourself, not just hear about what he's done for others. How many of you, God's done something in your life? In this series, in, in studying the Feast of Israel, we talk about celebration. Feasts are, are parties with a purpose. And we've, we've gone through Passover, and we talked about how Passover pointed to the death of Christ. We, we talked about first fruits, and, and that speaks of the resurrection of Jesus. Several weeks ago, we talked about Pentecost and how that ushered in the age of the church. If you were here last week, we talked about the Feast of Trumpets. Now, this is kind of moving into the fall feast, and it points to prophetic events. I'm just so glad that that not only does God hold our future, God has everything planned out. This book talks about events that have not yet happened. This book is prophetic, and and the reason why God includes prophecy in his word is to comfort his people. Did you know that? You don't have to fear end-time events. God has explicitly written it down in the scriptures to forewarn his people and prepare them. Trumpets, we talked about, speaks of the rapture of the church. When the trumpet sounds, God is calling us home. Can somebody say amen? Oh, and I just feel that the angel, that archangel, he is warming up his chops right now. We are living in the last of the last days, and God's trying to get his people ready. Today, I want to talk to you about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. In some places of the scripture, it's talked about as the Feast of Shelters 
are the Feast of Booths. And we'll see what this means uh, in Leviticus chapter 23. The feast, here's where it started. Leviticus 23, starting with verse 33. And the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin celebrating the Feast of Shelters, or the Feast of Tabernacles, on the 15th day of the appointed month, five days after the Day of Atonement. This festival to the Lord will last for seven days. And then on the first day of the festival, you must proclaim an official day for holy assembly when you do no ordinary work. In other words, God's saying, stop with your routine. I want you to press pause, and I want you to recognize this moment. For seven days, you must present special gifts to the Lord. The eighth day is another holy day on which you will present your special gifts to the Lord. This will be a solemn occasion, and no ordinary work must be done on that day. Now, uh, let's keep in mind, uh, as we're tracking along on the Feast of Israel, kind of the parallels and how they connect to today. We talked about how Pentecost was the Jewish thanksgiving and offering thanks you know, for the harvest that's come in. We said trumpets was basically their New Year's. And if that's the case, if trumpets was New Year's and Pentecost was Thanksgiving, then the Feast of Tabernacles is kind of like a camp out. How many of you like the camp? How many of you like the great outdoors? <laughs> There's not very many of us. I thought Louisiana was like the, the great outdoors. And it's, isn't it supposed to be like the sportsman's paradise? Isn't that what they call us? How many of you love just being in nature? Just getting off the grid, just unplugging from all the technology, shifting gears, and getting out in God's green earth and just connecting with our Creator. You love the outdoors. How many of you, you prefer the internet and air conditioning? Okay, let's be honest. Come on now. You like the internet. You appreciate a text message responding to, to what's out there and you know, checking on what's happening in the world. You appreciate air conditioning when it's like 100 degrees outside. Some of you like the outdoors. Some of you like your technology. How many of you just love both? You say, give me both. That's kind of what tailgating is. Tailgating. <laughs> now, we know about tailgating, do we not? It's, it's, the, it's the benefit and the blessing of both. It's kind of that outdoors experience but man, you got all the technology necessary that comes along with it. In South Louisiana, we know about tailgating, do we not? This would be the Jewish version of tailgating. <laughs> I love it. Tabernacles is my favorite. Y'all are going to see this here in just a minute. This is, I think we can identify with tabernacles the best. God's saying, I want you to tailgate with me. Uh, they would make temporary shelters out of branches. They, they made uh, fr from their roof, they had leaves and branches that were open enough spaces to be able to see the sky. And maybe that was God calling them to remember the promise that he had given to Abraham, telling Abraham, hey, look at the stars in the sky, and I'm going to make your descendants as many as the, you won't even be able to count them. They decorated these little temporary shelters with flowers and leaves and fruits and vegetables. They're, 
there's this word called a, a lulav, lulav. It was made of willow and palm and myrtle branches. And, and what they would do is they would take this lulav and they would wave it in all four directions. They would wave it to the north, the south, the east, and the west. They would wave it up and down. And it was symbolic of God's presence being everywhere. I love that thought. You can't escape the presence of God. Some of you parents have kids that are running but they can't escape the presence of God. You'll never outrun the goodness of God. There's no place to hide from God's presence. The psalmist David said, if I go to the highest heavens, you are there. If I find myself in the deepest, darkest depths, God, even still, you are there. And so in, in constructing these tabernacles, these temporary dwellings, it pointed to something. Leviticus 23, verse 39, the Lord instructed them, remember, that this seven-day festival to the Lord, this festival of shelters or tabernacles, it begins on the 15th day of the appointed month. After you've harvested all the produce of the land, the first day and the eighth day of the festival will be days of complete rest. On the first day, gather branches from magnificent trees, palm fronds, boughs and leafy trees, and willows that grow by the streams, then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. I love it. We're just tailgating with Jesus for an entire week. We're just thanking God for his presence. Lord, you're just so good. We're out here in nature, and God, we're reminded that you are our source. Every good and every perfect gift, it comes from above. There was a spirit of joy that God instructed the Israelites to have. Remember, remember, remember. Now, let me give you some context on why this is so important. Because God had just freed Israel from captivity. After 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God supernaturally delivered them. The crossing of the Red Sea, they walked across on dry ground. They looked over their shoulders and they saw God close up that sea and swallow up Pharaoh and all of the Egyptian army. For the first time in centuries, they had a taste of freedom. Now, they, they, they may not be where they want to be, but thank God they're not where they used to be. Come on. Does anybody know anything about that? You see, some of you have, go boy, I feel the Holy Ghost just come inside of me. Some of you have goals and dreams of where you want to be, and you're not there yet. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. And this is where Israel finds themselves. Thank God they're no longer in Egypt, but they have yet to enter the promised land. See, in their wilderness journey, in their wandering, God provided for them. In fact, God was testing them. He says, you're not in the promised land, but you have my presence. You see, I guess the challenge is this. Can you be satisfied with his presence even though you haven't entered your promise? God's promised you some things about your future, about your children, about your calling, about a relationship. That promise is in your heart, but you've not walked in the fullness of it yet. Can you be satisfied with his presence? You see, it was in the wilderness that God gave them certain things. There are three words that I want you to write down. We see God doing three things. This is what the faith teaches us. This is what tabernacles begins to show us. There are three things that God did for Israel in their wilderness wandering. We see that God guides them, 
that God provides for them and that God protects them. God guides, he provides, and he protects. Come on, somebody say guide, say provide, say protect. Here's what I want you to hear today. I want you to hear this with your spirit, that even if you're in a wilderness wandering, the Lord himself will be with you and he will guide you. Just as the Israelites had no idea where they were going, God gave them a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And he says, follow the cloud in the daytime, and in the night this fire will guide you. And just as the Lord guided the Israelites through their wilderness, I want you to know your good God will guide you through your wilderness. Say, Pastor, I don't know where I'm going. You just put one foot in front of the other. You know, you, you, you're going to need to take this faith journey. That's what it is. And, and I, I'm here to encourage you today, just take the next step. The Bible says that God's word is a lamp unto your feet. You may not see the destination, but he's going to illuminate the next step. Just walk in the light that God's given you. It's kind of like when you turn on your, your ignition, you get in the car at night, the headlights of that vehicle. It only lights up about the first 20 or 30 yards in front of you, but that's enough light. If you follow that light, it's enough to get you anywhere you need to go. The Lord himself will guide you. He'll guide you in that marriage. He'll guide you in your finances. The Lord will guide you in your decisions at work. And maybe I need to, to move my kids into this school or, or maybe this relationship that I am. Is it for real? Is he Mr. Right? Is she Miss Right? The Lord will guide your steps. And it, just as he did the Israelites in the wilderness, God's telling us today, I will do the same for you. God will guide you. Not only did he guide, but he provided. The Bible says they would wake up in the morning, and guess what was on the ground? Manna. Man, there's, there's, there's biscuits and gravy right there for them. Bacon and eggs. Come on, somebody. Every morning, they didn't even have to go to the grocery store. It was the original DoorDash. Come on, somebody. Shows up. Man, I got food today. How did that happen? Well, the Lord, not only is he guiding, but he's providing. Well, wait a second. I'm thirsty. Where are we going to get water in this desert? How about that rock? You mean to tell me God can bring water from a rock? If he can bring manna from heaven, he can draw water from a rock. The scripture says that their clothes didn't even wear out. Shoes on their feet. They're walking for 40 years and their shoes never got holes in them. Come on, somebody. How many of you have a hard time keeping your kids in shoes? You're like, no, we, we buy them about two or three size bigger because as soon as I buy these shoes, you're going to outgrow them, right? Guess what? Their clothes never wore out. God's guiding them and he's providing for them. That tells me something. Listen to me, church. Don't buy into the fear and the worry of today's economy. Don't you do it. Some of you are watching so much news, and you're just, I mean, you're in bondage to what the stock market's doing. Man, this whole thing about recession and inflation, the value of the dollar. Man, don't let the fear mongers do whatever they want to do, but God's people will be cared for. Now, you may not have everything you want, but I promise you, you won't be missing anything you need. 
Mm -mm, come on, hum at me today. Listen, you didn't have much, but guess what? You didn't need much. God's telling the Israelites, okay, you left Egypt, and that's where you're, even though you were slaves, that's where your familiarity was. But I wasn't going to let you depend on Egypt. I'm going to bring you into the wilderness to teach you to depend on me. And God will bring you out of what's familiar into something that's unknown to teach you total dependency on the Lord. And if God will guide you, then I promise he will provide for you. You see what God did in their wilderness wandering. He's guiding, he's providing, and then he's protecting. He protected them from their enemies. In fact, what he did is he put fear in their enemies. They wouldn't touch the Israelites, man. Man, they heard that God was with them. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so good. He's basically saying this to the Israelites. If they mess with you, then they're messing with me. You know, as I was studying this this week, my mind went back. Have you ever had those, those childhood memories, those random episodes in your life that you just never forget? You just ne I remember I couldn't have been seven years old, all right? We lived up in Missouri and uh, living in the trailer parks. And, man, there was a kid in the trailer park. His name was David. David Young was the neighbor. He was the trailer park bully. He was older than all of us, and he would always mess with us. You know, he, he was the most athletic, and he was mean. He would always, he was the bully of the trailer park. And I remember we were playing out in the field behind the trailer park. It had snowed. Man, there was probably three or four inches of snow on the ground. And David took a snowball, and it just pelted me right in the face. Pow! And my dad, I'll never forget this, my dad came barreling out of that trailer in nothing but boxers and bare feet. Come on, somebody. I still have this image of my dad in a pair of boxers in about four inches of snow. And he let David know that day, this is my son, and if you mess with him, you messing with me. Guess what? I didn't have a problem with David for the rest of my life. <laughs> Do you know that this God who guides you and provides for you, he will protect you. There is a protective hedge that God promises his people. And basically what God is telling the Israelites is this, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what I did for you in that wilderness. Because Israel, listen to me, listen to me. Oh, this is strong. You are going to enter the promised land. And there will be no more manna. Okay, you're going to have to plow the ground. And when you plow the ground and you plant the seed, when those crops come in and you're able to feed your family, when you have flocks and herds and you see the bountiful blessing upon your life, don't you dare take credit for it. Don't you dare take credit for something God has done. If God provided for you during the lean years when you had nothing, then don't mistake the blessings of God today as something that you've achieved. It's not your talent. It's not your ability. It's not, and thank God for talent and ability and work ethic. But let me tell you this. God is the source of your blessing and your bounty. Whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, he's telling the Israelites, 
health, wealth, family, success, it all came from my gracious hand. Don't forget where you came from. Can I have a good amen? Now, check this out. Here's, here's what, boy, I, that's not only good for Israel, that's good for us today. They're living in this, this tabernacle, and they're remembering the journey of their ancestors as they traveled through the wilderness. Remember where you came from. Uh, here's what it teaches us. First of all, number one, it, it teaches us God's heart for all people. God's heart for all people. Now, let's fast forward from the Old Testament into the New Testament, okay? During the times of Jesus, they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, and there were two ceremonies that were associated with the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is really fun, okay? You fasten your seatbelt, engage your brain for a minute. Uh, you're going to love how this plays out. There are two ceremonies during the days of Jesus that they recognized as they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. One of them was the lampstands, and the other is the water. Okay, first the lampstands. Here's what they would do. Now it was no longer tabernacle, but it was temple. Okay, and in fact, do we have that picture, Nikki? Can we put that? Put the picture up. I want you to see Old Testament. Old Testament. Remember, we went through the tabernacle series. I think last year, the tabernacle represented the presence of the Lord. You know that tent surrounding the tabernacle itself. We talked about all of the elements that went into it, but underneath that tent was the most holy place. This represented the presence of God. Now look at all the tents camped around it. That was the 12 tribes of Israel camping around the tabernacle. In other words, God is dwelling with his people. He says, Israel, you are my chosen people, and I will come live with you. That's an Old Testament picture of the presence of God, the tabernacle. Fast forward now to the New Testament. You don't have the tabernacle, you have the temple. Remember, Solomon constructed the temple, and during Jesus' day, when they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle, they would light golden lampstands all throughout the courtyard of the temple. So imagine at night, the, the, the view of the temple at night. It was lit by these golden lampstands. And then they would light torches and march around the temple. After lighting the, the, the lampstands, they would carry these torches and place them on the outer wall. And so you can see this illumination throughout the region. At night, it was beautiful. And it spoke to the presence of God. And basically, the, the prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 49, verse 6. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me, but I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. What Isaiah was prophesying and what they were recognizing during the Feast of Tabernacles is that Jesus, the Messiah, would be a light, not to just the nation of Israel, but to the nations of the world, to the Gentiles. We weren't God's first choice. The Jews are God's chosen people. But he says, I'm going to use the Jews to bring Gentiles and every nation to me. I will illuminate the darkness. 
But then there was also another ceremony called the water. And the high priest, during the days of Jesus, would take a pitcher of water and from the pool of Siloam, Siloam means scent, he would scoop out a pitcher of water from that pool and he would bring it all the way back to the temple and he would pour it out over the altar. And that represented, and again, the prophet Isaiah says this, nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Not only was he a light to the nations of the world, but this picture of water being poured out was symbolic. It says when the Messiah comes, the whole world will know God, just as waters cover the sea, there's no, nothing or no one that'll be able to escape the presence of God. You just can't escape it. You know what it made me think about? A rainstorm in Louisiana. A Louisiana downpour in the summer heat. You know, that, st that storm hits. <laughs> you can have umbrellas. You can have rain jackets. You can have rain boots. But you know, you're just going to get wet. You just cannot, you can't escape. Man, when that storm hits, you're going to get wet. And the Bible says the presence of the Lord. Not only is it a light in darkness, but this Messiah, just as water covers the sea, the presence of God will spill out across the earth. I want you to know God has people everywhere. You, some of you feel like, well, I'm the only one trying to serve God. Oh, no, you're not. He's got people everywhere. You know what? Yesterday afternoon, we were able to go to LCIW, and we hosted a tent revival at prison. You know, we had about 50 volunteers, some Cooking for Christ guys that, I mean, the guys and gals that they worked on preparing a was jambalaya and white beans. 4.30 in the morning, man, stirring pots because we're going to feed some ladies in prison. And then we had our tech team and our worship team show up. Man, we put up a big tent. We were able to, 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 to serve about 400 ladies in a tent revival service. And let me tell you, there's nothing that can limit the presence of God. Those ladies may be behind bars, but they are free in their soul. Because he that the Son has set free is what? free indeed. There was such a joy under that tent. And listen, the music started, man. We were worshiping God. You know, as a church, we've been praying for revival. Can I tell you this? Revival, it's just like God to start revival in the most unlikely of places. In our minds, we think, well, God, you're going to move this way, in this direction. He said, you know what? I want to start with the inmates of LCIW. And man, as we worship, you know what is beautiful? There was so many supernatural, just one story. Let me give you one quick story. They break LCIW into different camps, and they don't allow these camps to mix because sometimes there's a lot of anger and animosity between individuals. And so for years, I mean, since the flood of 2016, some of these ladies haven't seen other ladies within the same prison system because they're, they're in different camps. But at this revival, Camps came together. Watch what happens. So by the end of the, the second, we did two services. By the end of the second service, one lady had murdered the sister of another lady, 
And there was bad blood, obviously, between those two families. But by the end of the second service, these ladies were in the altar weeping, hugging, embracing because they'd experienced the forgiveness of God and his power to heal. I'm telling you, revival's coming in places you can't even expect. God's good like that, and he has people everywhere. The lampstands pointed to this Messiah that would be the light of the world. The water says that his spirit will cover the earth. Now listen to this. Jesus, when he attended the Feast of Tabernacles, he gives these famous words in John chapter 7. He said on the last day, on the last day of this Feast of, of Tabernacles, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Come on, somebody say anyone. God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter where you came from, the color of your skin, who your mama is, rich or poor, where you went to school. Come on, anyone. Whosoever will. Jesus stands up on this climax, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And remember that high priest had poured out water from the pool of Siloam. Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty for water, you come to me. Anyone who believes in me, you can come and take a drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Whosoever will may come. Are you thirsty today? Jesus said, I am the living water. You know what the scandal of the gospel is? Here's what I love about the God that you and I serve. You know what's scandalous about the gospel? It's not who it leaves out, but it's who it lets in. Grace is scandalous. It lets in wicked, evil, sinful people like me and like you people that are undeserving, people that weren't even looking for God. You see, the story of, of tabernacles, the joy of tabernacles is God has always been pursuing his people. It's God pursuing us. It's God wanting to be with us. In the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle that all the tribes camped around. And then Solomon builds the temple. And then Jesus says, if you destroy this temple three days later, I'll build it again. And he wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about himself. You see, now he is Emmanuel, God with us. God's saying, I want to tailgate with you. I want to tabernacle with you. I want to be with you. And then Jesus, when he was ascended into heaven, the disciples thought, well, I guess he's gone. And Jesus said, no, if I leave, I'm going to send you another comforter. And it's not just God with you, but now it's God in you. Come on, can I have a good amen? And Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit. Now, now they're being filled with the power and the presence of God's Spirit. Oh, but it doesn't just stop there. It's not just Pentecost. It's not just the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus says, I'm coming back. Now look, now this little insert, okay, I want you to put this up on the screen in case you don't have it. But, but, but check this insert out. Last week, when you were here, we talked about the Feast of Trumpets, and that represents the rapture of the church. It's the return of Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. We read about that. Now, there's a reason why I have some dotted lines here, 
okay? Dotted lines, because some scholars, they, they differentiate. Some scholars believe that, that when the trumpet sounds, that the church is going to be taken out of the world, and that will be the beginning of a seven-year tribulation period. That's the first dot. The middle dot is about halfway through three and a half years. Some, some scholars believe that three and a half years of, uh, of the tribulation period, and then God is going to call the church out. Some believe it's not going to come to the end of that seven-year period. I'm of the persuasion that we're getting out of here ahead of time. That's what I want. If you read Revelations, read the book of Revelations, man, when all hell breaks loose, I won't be gone. Lord, please don't keep me here. But if he does keep me here, I'm going to be okay. You know why? Because I'm his people. He's going to protect me. He's not going to let the devil hit me in the face with a snowball. Come on, somebody. Revelation 1 through 3, the letters to the church. You read the Bible scholars. You, there was a letter to the church of Smyrna, Philadelphia, Thyatira, uh, Laodicea. There's seven letters to seven churches. After Revelation 3, you never hear of the church again. Revelation 4 to, verse, to chapters 22, then you see about the beast, and then you see about the false prophet, and then there's the dragon, and there's the seals, the judgment seals, and the truck. There's a lot of crazy things from chapter 4 to chapter 22. The church is gone. I believe the church is going first. That's the rapture. Then there's this second coming. Now, here's where tabernacles hits home. You see, the first, the sound of the trumpet is for the church. But the second coming, the Feast of Tabernacles, points to the second coming. That's a blank to fill in the coming kingdom. Here's what this means for the nation of Israel. you got the church in one lane. you got the nation of Israel. Now, there's this millennial period. Millennial is a thousand, a thousand-year period. Watch this. At the end of that seven-year tribulation, you've heard of the Battle of Armageddon. And I've been there in the Valley of Megiddo, in, in the Holy Land, where, where, where this battle is going to take place. At the second coming of Jesus, he's, he's coming back, and he's going to return in power. He's not coming as a little infant in a, in a tiny manger, tucked away in a stable in Bethlehem. No, 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 no. He's coming back with fire in his eyes. He's coming back with power and with authority. There will be a great battle, and then from that battle, the Lord himself will set up his kingdom here on earth. There's, there'll be a thousand years. The Bible says that the, the, the enemy, Satan himself, will be bound for a thousand years. He's going to be held captive. Can I tell you, Satan is on a leash. Even the devil is God's devil. Can I have a good amen? He owns him, man. He's got limited authority. There's coming a day when Satan will be bound for a thousand years and the Lord will set up his kingdom here on earth. And guess what? We will rule and we will reign with him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, let me hustle. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power. Come on now. Death has no power over us for those who are in Christ. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. That's that second little block right there. Put up that, 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 that timeline again. That second block. The first is the rapture of the church. Then the second block is the millennial reign where we rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. His government. His authority, his power. Come on, that government will not be corrupt. Come on, talk to me. Guess what? In that government, there will be no voter fraud. 
guess what? There will be no votes. <laughs> In that government, there will be no donkey. There will be no elephant because we'll be serving the Lamb of God. And then from that block, after that thousand-year reign, there is a final battle. Revelation talks about this. Ezekiel 38 talks about it. The Gog and Magog, some of you are familiar with that terminology. There will be a coalition of nations. Satan will be released for one final moment, and a coalition of nations will rise up against Israel. And after that battle, the great white throne judgment. That's not judgment for the believer. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ where we will be judged for our works. The great white throne judgment are for those who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Let me tell you, you don't want to be in that judgment. The Bible says, the Bible says, those who want nothing to do with Jesus here on earth They'll get exactly that in eternity. They'll have nothing to do with him in eternity. Listen to me, beloved. There's a place of eternal torment and damnation. And it's not for the believer. Those who want nothing to do with Jesus now, that's exactly what they get in eternity. But for those of us who've decided, Lord, we can't live without you now. Guess what? We'll never have to in eternity. John the Revelator said this, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her groom. And I heard a shout from the throne saying, look, God now lives among his people. That's tabernacle right there. We're tabernacled with the Lord. We're tailgated with God. God now lives among his people. He will be their God, and they will be his people, and he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. All these things will be gone forever. Then I heard a voice say, Behold, I make all things new. Then he turned to me, and he said, Write these things down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. It is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Come on, give him praise if you believe that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.